for joining us, the Wealthy Retailer Podcast with your host, Dan Holman. Every episode, Dan dives into the retail headlines that matter to you, the independent retailer, covering topics ranging from retailer inventory, technology, marketing, retailers' questions, and more. The Wealthy Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Learn more at retailbycrs.com. And now, here's Dan Holman. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. Uh, maybe you don't know this, maybe you do. My name's Dan Holman. Hey, Dan. Uh, I've got my guy, Rob Lawlisher from Road 55 Marketing. Uh, it's going to feed us some great stuff today. Here we are, middle of August. Um, sun shining, smoke yeah. is gone today. Maybe back tomorrow, but it's gone today. It's looking great out. Uh, yeah, can't can't uh, find anything to complain about this morning, Rob. No, not at all. I, I think it's that time of year, Dan, where you're still... <laughs> kind of enjoying the pieces of summer but the brain starting to you know the entrepreneurial brain which never turns off never stops is starting to think about okay september's rolling up and and what's that gonna look like and and uh i pause for a moment i still gotta enjoy a day or two well right the warm weather is still here especially your long sleeve shirt on this morning and then peel it off to your tank top by 11 o'clock sort of thing right on (laughs) Well, this week, Dan, we're going to talk uh, some headlines, as always. Uh, a good one, interesting. This has been a topic that's really reared its head over the past year, talking about afterpay and how it's helping Canadian retailers grow their e-commerce business. Uh, cleaning time. You know, this really, pick your business. This applies to everyone. And and I kind of pose the question, how much time and energy is needed to invest here for retailers? And, and an interesting one, cyber insurance. Is is this something retailers should be looking at? And uh, I'm sure they'll drive some questions there. Speaking of questions, we got a great one this week coming from Nicole. She's looking for some advice for her woman shop. So yeah, uh, yeah that should be great. Okay, Dan, after pay, you know, they talk about it, uh, the buy now, pay later. It's uh, they want this flexibility and it's not going anywhere. What what stood out to you in this story? Well, the, the sort of, rise in buy now pay later has proven to us and this this really started rob um well over a year ago i mean probably two years or more in the u.s but in canada it really came on late last year and this rise that we're seeing in traction with afterpay has has given consumers the ability or flexibility to to pay for goods without incurring debt. So Afterpay is a platform that is effectively a method of payment. I sort of think about it for old school guys like you and I as layaway on steroids. You know, you used to go in and buy something maybe a little bit beyond your means today, but had the ability to make some payments on it before you took it home. Well, the steroid injection here is that you click, you know, Afterpay as your checkout mechanism and you're taking the goods home today and then paying for it in equal installments over the next you know, six or eight weeks, depending on the purchase. It really does allow you or afford you the ability to, to make an equal payment. And it's been driven primarily in Canada you know, by the Gen Z and the millennials who are this powerful force in the economy right now. And as this generation's spending power grows, so will the use of products like buy now, pay later as their primary form of payment. And, and retailers should keep this top of mind as they're evaluating their current payment options, um, looking at ways to ensure greater agility that allows them to adapt quickly to this changing consumer demand. 
we're seeing that that buyer, that Gen Z, that millennial buyer is less likely to take on credit. Now, there's a good argument that Afterpay is just another form of credit. If I'm using my credit card, um, you know, over a four week cycle, I might carry some interest. But if you're using your debit card, it's truly interest free money that you're seeing. And um, one of the one of the big increases that we're seeing is the request from retailers to add this as a method of payment at checkout in store, not just in e-commerce. I mean, e-commerce is really where this this behemoth uh, set its feet in the early days. But now I'm getting calls from retailers saying, hey, how do I add this as part of my checkout? So depending on your payment processor, um, this can become part of your traditional checkout process, the same as a Visa or MasterCard. Um, And there really is no significant obligation to the retailer other than it's a whole lot more expensive than traditional checkout methods, whether debit or credit card. It's about three or four times as expensive. A retailer, depending on their... um, you know, on their model is paying somewhere between four and 6% on, uh, on this method of payment. So for yeah. some of us, you know, we can stomach that for some of us, it's twice what we're paying to Shopify or square, or, you know, BG or whoever, whereas traditional credit or merchant fees, you know, are one and a half percent. Do you think, uh, you know, for a retailer considering it and, and not to oversimplify it, but I guess the day you started, are you multiplying your, your, your cons- uh, customers buying power fourfold like like they can they've got the cash today to uh i i've been seeing it more and more where okay here's this t-shirt 28 bucks or for four equal payments of seven dollars right. Well, right i got 28 bucks today i i can now buy four t-shirts right I and, and that's that a really good observation because truthfully it can help us increase our average sale and you know me you know, my sales are made up of three things, traffic, conversion, and average sale. And if this product can help me increase my average sale, it probably makes the cost of acquisition or cost of use um, more palatable because I'm increasing my average sale, which consequentially will increase my total sales volume. And I also believe that it has the ability to increase our conversion. You know, it does give consumers the ability to- Another option to buy differently yeah. from us yeah. that maybe engages them ahead of our community. Yeah. Um, and so the platform itself isn't just as simple as adding a checkout button or a method of payment button on your website, but rather it is a marketplace in itself. Afterpay has created a true marketplace where brands, direct-to-consumer brands and retail brands can put their goods on the Afterpay platform to sell and then fulfill. So it's giving us another avenue to capture a customer that perhaps has never heard of us before. So getting your products on the Afterpay app or on the platform is just as important as accepting it as a method of payment. You know, me, I I download Afterpay on my cell phone and I can shop from my phone on the Afterpay platform and complete the transaction there without perhaps going onto a retailer site, which again, I think increases our stickiness with that consumer. Right. right. Is, is it, uh, I'm not sure if you know to that level or not, but the, uh, the risk associated with it, if, if Rob fails his third and fourth payment of his t-shirt, is the, 
is the collector sheriff coming to to come get my t-shirt back or is that a burden that that afterpay carries that's just part of the risk that's a burden that afterpay carries and the difference between afterpay and traditional credit card mechanisms is the onus is on the user not the retailer you know as a as a consumer i can dispute any charge on my credit card and the retailer really has very little say in this and i right. get a charge back interesting in this instance i'm in the eula or the user license agreement um i am in fact releasing relinquishing that power to say i didn't buy that or yes. i don't like it i it's defective blah 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 that falls back to the merchant to deal with you know the customer not after pay they're saying wait a minute you committed to buying this you're making these payments yeah. and they're pre-authorizing uh, a credit line if you will not credit line in so much as you know the maximum al you're allowed right. to right. postpone payment on your maximum layaway amount i think when i first joined the app you know my instant credit was like 600 bucks i could right. go spend and pay for that over the four or six weeks it'll depending probably on just build and build from there yeah. as you as you prove your worth as you're using it more do you think it's hit that critical mass point dan that even though as you said it 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 costs a little bit more in the fees it's not something that retailers can really ignore anymore no and rob when we talked about this in november 2020 we said slow your roll it's not really sticky in canada yet we're not adopting it the same way that that our u.s counterparts are but fast forward eight or ten months boy oh boy it's coming on strong it's really good and it it has its place Sa same with other platforms like sezzle um that that allows that payment option yep. for the consumer and that's what we want the consumer I say we, I mean, I'm speaking as a consumer, I want flexibility and I want to be in control of it, which yep. this does afford us. Yeah. Well, great insight on that. I'm sure the topic will come up again in the, and as it continues to evolve. Um, I should have said too, that was from retaildive.com. Uh, I think it's Retail Insider actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I that was my uh, uh, error on that front. Yes, retailinsider.com. <laughs> My bad. Okay. In the Monday morning or in the in the every morning coffee news, you gotta yeah, there you, you gotta go. be reading that stuff to see it. But yeah, they've done a couple of stories on Retail Insider. So if you're not following them, go check them out. Craig Patterson does a great yeah. job of bringing news to the forefront that that is truly relevant. There's not a lot of fluff in there. It's good. News. It was stuff. a pretty in depth story, and to our point, where it, it just seems to be more and more. It's it's yeah. coming into the forefront. So uh, yeah. yeah, super interesting there. Uh, the next story comes from, uh, you know, from the convenience uh, front of things, cstoredecisions.com, uh, you know, just talking about the different things that are really going to uh, resonate with your customers and build that retention and, and cleaning was a big part of it. So what, what it jumped was. out in this story? Dan? Well, I think that, that cleaning sort of came up in chain store age as, as, or convenience store as one of the ways to sort of enhance your brand. And you know, I removed the, the, the label of convenience from this because it applies to every store. Okay. And, you know, your, your store's brand is what makes you stand out from other stores. And brand is how we are identified by our audience. It's what differentiates us from our community. And unlike the Dutton Ranch, you know, brand on a cow, it's not the product that's yeah. branded. <laughs> it's, it's this intangible that we can't actually touch or see, um, but it is how we shape or how our perception is shaped by our, um, by our audience, right? Our store, our company, our products, or us as individuals, 
you know, are, are shaping that perception as we strengthen our brand. And we have to create this retail image that customers can't refuse. And it goes back to, yes, certainly cleanliness is one of those things, but it goes from cleanliness to sights and sounds and smells that will resonate with your audience. Customer experience and happiness is tied directly to how we make them feel when they visit. And at a time when, you know, e-com or, or online shopping is so popular, it's more critical to enhance that experience that, that the consumer has when they're shopping in your store. And we've talked about this before, you know, the store has to sound, it has to smell, it has to give me comfort, which is all part of the brand that we're building. Remember that it is this intangible thing. And so, yes, how much should we invest in cleaning? As much as it takes to make sure our store is impeccable, yep. right? That it is clean and that our displays are well-structured, that, that all of this enhances her experience in our store from how tightly merchandised you are. Yeah. You know, if you can't spread your arms and do a, you know, a 360 pirouette in your store, it's too dense. That's not what drives comfortability or experience in your store. And so this enhancing your brand isn't just about cleaning, it's about how well we're displayed. It's about the music that she hears when she's in our store. The music that can often drown out other conversation that a customer maybe doesn't need to hear on an ongoing basis, that it sets them in a different place. I think we talked about this in our furniture stores. Um, you know, we blew smells into the, into the store, scents into the rooms in yep. stores to make them, to help take the customer to a different place, right? Experience is still about, you know, that, that ability to take me from standing in the middle of a, a uncomfortable place where someone's damn it going to sell me something to somewhere else. That's more relaxing. Yep. You know, that it has those right smells. It has the right sounds. And this is critical yep. in, in today's more so today yep. than perhaps ever, because you're competing with a much deeper uh, community than we ever have. Well, and when you see the, the math of this, you think of how hard everyone works to get people to their store and that uh, the, the data here that over 50%, just over 50%, if it appears dirty from the outside, they're not coming back. So you right. can imagine that one thing, you're going to lose half the, the retention. And, and hey, if, if you want to blow your brains out trying to, to continually get them in the first time. Right. But then even on the inside, the, the store that's dis, got that disorganized feel, that, that, uh, that hits hard in, in the same, same topic. It has subliminal messaging to the consumer. Right. If your store is dirty, if your store is not well taken care of, will you take good care of your customer? If your product is not properly steamed and hung and displayed, how much care will you put in to my product, yeah. to the things that I'm buying? So it does go a long way and it sparks these subliminal feelings or messages in the customer's mind about you know, how well we take care of our space. I'll share a quick story. So I used to belong to a performance group and I've shared this story probably more times than anyone Back wants to hear. Back in your circus I'm days? We're going to do it again. You know, when I was in the furniture business, we belonged to these performance groups. Nice. A performance group or a mastermind yeah. is the assembly of sort of like-minded business people that have this ability 
to uh, collaborate, to learn from each other, and to empower their business to move to the next level. And we always rated pretty well. Pat myself on the back. We always rated pretty well. We were, we were what, what would be deemed a rock star in our performance group or in our mastermind group until they came to my store. And I was always very proud. And in our mastermind groups, we would travel around twice okay. a year to each other's businesses well, cool. and critique them. Everything yeah. from, you know, display to personnel yeah, I, to warehousing and I, fulfillment. I'm telling you this with love, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. This, this objective view of your business. And while for the first three or four years, we were in these groups and traveled to other people's stores, you know, we always were highly valued in the way we did things, the way we advertised, the way we messaged, the way we served, you know, our, our uh, warehouse and delivery fees, how we maintained it, and so on and so on, our chargebacks. And so they come to visit my store. And I had two complaints that were all about my presentation. One, there was a stained ceiling tile as you walked in the door. So, you know, it's got that sort of yellow in the vestibule, yep. you know, traditional yep. floating ceiling. It's got a little you know, stain the size of, you know, a six inch diameter stain where it's off white. It's now yellow. Well, someone noticed that I'd walked past it for five years, never really paid any attention nope. to it, but they brought it up. And then the second thing was, man, there's a lot of holes in your walls that we didn't really pay attention to. You know, we'd sell a print off the wall, take it down, hammer, nail in and hang a new one. And it took them to be this hypercritical to allow, that allowed me to see what my customer was seeing. And what did the customer think about how we treated our walls? I mean, the product, the store was clean, but the walls had hole, nail holes in them. Yeah. So we, we had to come up with a way to deal with that. And we did. And through good collaboration, we're like, well, how does everybody else deal with this stuff? Oh, well, they, they, tint, you know, they tint some drywall mud. They mix it with the paint color and they just use their finger and smear it over the hole and move on. Wow, that was eye-opening for me. And as I walked through the store and saw it through someone else's eyes, it really reinforced for me this need for retailers. So retailers, listen up. On a regular basis, you must walk in your front door, eyes closed, pause, stand there, open your eyes, see what she's seeing, hear what she's hearing, smell what she's smelling, and ask yourself, is this the brand I want to be. Is this exemplifying who we are? And if it's not, make change today. No one is more critical of your business yep. than the customer. And nine out of 10 of them will never tell you what they think. Yep. I got I to gotta add a nickel here, Dan. Uh, my, my tourism uh, hospitality background, but with marketing with that, when you're walking through giving your, your store the once over, please, please, please look for those shitty handwritten yeah. signs you've made that was, was meant to be temporary, but has somehow lived there for the last two years. And it is totally reflection on your, if, if it's more than a day, you know, go get it properly printed and laminated right. and do all that. And I, I guarantee almost every place will find such a sign in, the, in their business. And, right. and that it's a, it's a little reflection, but a reflection nonetheless. Exactly. This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. We've been empowering retailers across North America for 30 years with the latest in point of sale technology, best in class support, merchandise intelligence with open to buy planning, and much more. 
CRS has the retail solution to help take your retail business to the next level of success. Visit RetailByCRS.com to learn more. Remember, Canadian Retail Solutions exist to help make you, the independent retailer, better. Okay, sir. Uh, our next story. Yeah, this one's uh, really interesting. Uh, it comes from QZ.com. Uh, courts talking about you know cyber security, the uh, uh, cyber insurance uh, specifically, and how retailers might or small businesses might protect themselves in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think here, Dan? Well, so the question really was posed, you know, should retailers have cyber insurance? Well, the simple answer is yes. And with online attacks aimed at businesses increasing exponentially, um, certainly in the last couple of years, yep. more and more companies are looking at purchasing cyber liability insurance, which explicitly covers the loss in the event of a cyber attack. And for a long time, a lot of small business retailers, of course, in that small business, avoided purchasing this type of insurance, believing that cyber criminals were targeting only big companies. And we've heard of every big retailer out there being hacked or hit or yeah. attacked and, and you know their data secured. Well, I'm here to tell you today, as more of these black hat sort of hackers move downstream, they see us as easy pickings. Retailers have to consider whether this type of risk protection is necessary and how it might help them. Now, I'm gonna say insurance is a reactive measure. This is insurance that pays me after it happens. It doesn't protect me before. It's not a preventative measure. It's only one step in protecting your business. You also have to look to protect your customer and your team from attacks, more specifically, your data and having, you know, if you're a cloud product, if you're using a cloud, any products in the cloud, your data is secured somewhere out there in the, you know, in the, in the Pacific ocean, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's not really in the clouds. It's on the water somewhere. Um, And that, that bit of data might be protected, but everything else is not. Um, as we work with more and more retailers and we're saying step one is to build a fence that makes it very difficult for people to climb this barbed wire fence or, you know, in, in technical words, a firewall. So we build a block to stop them from getting into our building. Moreover, we use what we call a one, two, three data protection or business continuity model that says I hold a copy, secure copy of my data on site a copy that's attached to my network somewhere, you know, and then of course a copy that pushes up to the cloud. So in the event something happens with my server, whether attack or not, I have the instant ability to get back to business. That is truly business continuity that a lot of retailers have just completely ignored. And I can tell you with, with some personal experience this week, Oh, wow. This week had a retailer call for the second time, having his data locked by a hacker. Jeez. Right? There's no cyber insurance that covers my loss of data. You can't quantify it. Right? Yeah. They want your money. That's why they lock you down. And so without good backup and good protection, you are vulnerable. Not just as, I mean, as much as you're vulnerable, your customer data is now vulnerable. How much data do we store about our customers in our point of sale systems or in our CRM or in a stupid Excel file that we that has no protection to it? And passwords are not a method of protection when it comes to data, right? Listen, 
every one of us is guilty of yep. using the same password <laughs> yep. and yep. a, you know, what we refer to as a stupid password. Dan123 is not a good password. Yep. Oh, you got to add a special character. Dan123 exclamation point. Not a good password. <laughs> I was going to say asterisk. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, this story, while it, while it really sort of was themed around, should I have insurance? Yep. That's only one step in this, in the protection of your of your data. Most critical thing you have. I'm going to say to a retailer that 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 maybe doesn't know this: your data is the most valuable thing you own. It's the thing that you have paid years and years into, and by not protecting it, shit, man, you are opening yourself up to attack. Well, definitely. If your if your insurance provider is not asking you, you should be asking them. You know the, right. the age old, you know contents and and you know that that type of coverage. Right. You you need to be thinking digitally. And this, as you said, top right. of the top of the list. And um, insurance again is a reactive measure, Rob. We want to get in front of that first and build every possible fence we can to stop people from getting into my data. If I'm up in the cloud. You know, yeah. that's on my provider to be to be delivering a military grade encryption that prevents people from accessing it. Yeah. But even cloud data, you know, let's go back to to I can't remember the is, was it Lime Lime I, one of the dating apps, you know, that got hacked and it exposed yeah. a bunch of people because it has your personal information in it. Right. So your point of sale system is no different. We can we hold a lot of personal data in there. If we're smart, we hold a lot of personal data that we need to be super protective of. Well, Dan, uh, uh, retailer question of the week took on a bit of a flavor of the, uh, you, you know, the independent retailer looking for help with their POS system. You just talked about, you know, things that they need to yeah. do to protect their data and, and more. Tell us a bit about this week's question. Well, so Nicole sends me an email and says, Hey Dan, love your podcast. Thank you so much for the great information. Can you recommend a POS system for my women's shop? Okay. Right away, I got all excited. You know, I grabbed my guy, I grabbed Travis, and I'm like, dude, here we go. You got a great hot lead. Here you go. You know, let's talk to Nicole about her point of sale needs. Well, it turns out that, that Nicole really wanted information on payment processing. Okay. She confused POS, point of sale, with payment processing. So it started a whole new conversation yeah. for her. She was really looking for a recommendation on a payment provider or payment merchant provider. And we started to talk to her about point of sale. So let's just take a second, as I did with Nicole, and clarify, you know, what is point of sale? We've said forever, Rob, that the point of sale system is the brain in your business. It harbors or holds all of this great information. And then we analyze that information, that data, purchasing and inventory and spending and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da in that point of sale system. And it is a very critical component of your business. And so, um, you know, as I said to Nicole, we chatted, we did, re we did refer her to, you know, a payment processor that we're comfortable with. Yep. Um, it is a dirty business. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say, um, you know, there's a hundred POS guys out there knocking on your door at any given moment, trying to get your payment processing. It, right. I mean, and if we look at the big players out there, Shopify and Lightspeed, and I mean, they're all creating payment processing uh, solutions because they get a tiny bit of every dollar. I know that's how we amass millions is a little bit of every dollar. And so 
thinking about point of sale. And if you're out there thinking, you know, I want to update my point of sale system, I want to, you know, maybe add a point of sale system. This happened to be a retailer that didn't have a point of sale system. Okay. Uh, old school writing handwritten orders, um, no real mechanism outside of, uh, <laughs> outside of numbers, a, a Mac program like Excel, no, no mechanism outside of Excel to track inventory or anything like that. So we did say, you know, Nicole, here's a great place to start. Here's a POS, uh, what we call our, our POS toolkit. It really is um, this, this bit of a white paper that says, here's 10 things that you gotta be thinking about when selecting a point of sale system um, or a POS provider. Now, the difference between, you know, a guy like me or, or the team at Canadian Retail Solutions and uh, the light speeds and Shopify's of the world, their goal is just to sell you something, get your subscription and move on. And, and our goal is really to stand beside you through this process. And that's really step one, Rob, in determining what solution is best for me. I'm going to say, we will include um, in this week's newsletter a link to our POS toolkit. Okay, cool. Um, and make sure that you know you have these 10 things yep. that you should be thinking about when it comes time to look at your point of sale system. And, and for me, these are 10, you know, 10 just short, quick tips, um, tips or points that we want to be able to reference as we're looking for that, that POS solution. And most importantly, um, please don't make this about price. Man, oh man, oh man, don't buy the cheapest. You get what you pay for. If you think a $19 a month solution is right for you, just come and talk to us. It's not that I want you know 30 bucks a month from you instead of 19. I want you to have the best ability to drive your business forward. POS has to afford you the ability to make smart decisions, smart, specific, measurable, right? achievable, relevant and time-bound decisions that drive the business forward. And you need a partner in POS that's prepared to stand beside you not 10 steps in front of you or three behind you. You need a responsive partner that's saying, tell me what you want. I'll show you how to get it. Tell me what you're looking for. Let's figure out if this is the right solution. It has to be this collaborative, consultative process in choosing a point of sale system. It is the brain behind your store. I love you said before, you know, speaking of the brain, how it's, it's not just the brain for your business and your historical data but just helping you on the what's going on in, in industry that like it's, it's gathering all this, this info to give you insights down the road as, as you know, how are we relating to where should we be? So, yeah. And yeah. every aspect of a point of sale system is really built on someone's desire to get more information or better actionable information out of it. And so you truly are getting, you know, at some point, what someone else deemed was important for them as a feature in a point of sale system. Yep. And we have everything from, like I say, you know, the glorified cash register solution yep. to a really robust database driven solution that that has provides full analytical view of your business. And now, listen, I know that not all of us are that, you know, science driven mind in our business. And POS has to do, point of sale has to do a bunch of work for you to, to allow you to elevate 
to what your unique ability is, whether that's buying or selling or marketing, you know, you've got to use that engine. So for Nicole, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending in the question, asking for the referral. Uh, Truly appreciate that we were able to offer some insight. And as I said, we'll make sure that in this week's newsletter, there is that POS toolkit. Even if you're satisfied with your POS, you know, just read the white paper and say, hey, I never thought about this or geez, I should ask my POS provider this question. It also has, you know, at the back of that white paper, on the bottom of that white paper, it's got a ton of, you know, required, uh, like to have, not required comments and questions that you should be asking about every component in your point of sale system to get you going in the right direction. Yeah, that's awesome. So if retailers have any questions, as always, we say it every single week, just fire your question off to dan at thewealthyretailer.com and we will uh, absolutely get you steered in the right direction. Great stuff, Dan. So uh, as you said, head to uh, retailbycrs.com, sign up for the newsletter if you haven't. I bet you know a, a, a retailer out there that could use use some growth ideas and inspiration and encourage them to sign up to. We'll have the links to this story, a link to that toolkit. You'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, we got a few more stories too that didn't quite make it in this week. Uh, we, we're talking about one, I like this, this network that's coming together that's just, it's devoted to infusing the area that they're working in, the entrepreneurs, uh, with, with a focus of diversifying their, their local economy. So I'm sure there'll be some interesting stuff there. Um, you got a website? Well, guess what? There's more than one type of website. There, there's a story, nine types of websites that you can build for your business. Right. And it's interesting. And, and it's not so much the, the technical side of the website, but it's in your approach. Like, how are you approaching your consumers and the different ways that you can do that? And then uh, a story, we, we love local, but uh, here's one of the big guys talking about how they're doubling down on localization as Nike steps in that world. So uh, lots, lots of great stuff this week, Dan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely lots of great stuff. Love it. If you guys uh, get a chance, as Rob said, head over to wealthyretailer.com or retailbycrs.com. Grab onto that newsletter, throw it in your, in your weekly bucket um, of, hey, here's some information that I might find helpful. Uh, Otherwise, have a great week. Stay at it.